<laughs> he just booted himself out and we are live. I think that Andrew, we lost Andrew within the first 10 seconds. So I'm just making this up as I go. Hopefully he'll drop back in. Andrew, mm-hmm. welcome to the program. You are our guest today. <laughs> Thank you. Well, my internet kicked me out. It's, uh, it's, uh, it happens. They attack. They know the power of uh, raw nationalist. And so they kicked me off of my own stream. Yeah. So why don't you introduce it? Um, this is a we're very honored to have um, a guest. He's controversial, which is um, <laughs> more exciting for us. But uh, we I know I know both of us have been into um, the type of content that you are interested in for quite some time. You know, I have my own story of my own health and I know Andrew does as well. Um, but this is such an important topic, and I think it needs to become more important. People think this is a non-political topic, but as we're going to talk about when we begin, this is an extremely political topic, and it's uh, one of the most important things for people to discuss. It's, I mean, it's equally as important as anything else you care about right now, gay marriage, abortion, anything like that that you are interested in. Talking about masculinity and your own health, I think, should be you know top five issues because there is a crisis, and the only way out of our crisis is to rethink uh, our approach to health and what it means to be a human being. So, uh, Raw Egg Nationalist, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's start with this. Um, why? Well, I mean, we can get into the name a little bit, Rog Nationalist. But first, you know, what what got you interested in your own health, and and why do you do what you do? Well, I've always I've always been a sportsman. I was a keen sportsman as a as a child at school and as a teenager. So I've always I've always looked after my health. It's always I say I've always looked after my health. I've just led an active life. I happened to grow up in a very beautiful part of the world where I was always outside. I uh, didn't grow up in the city. Um, so, you know, I mean, I mean, health wasn't really something that I, health was something I took for granted, really, I would Mm -hmm. say. Um, and you know, when I was growing up and when I was a teenager, I, you didn't see that many fatties around. Let me, (laughs) let me put it like that. You know, I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day. There was maybe when I was at primary school, which is the equivalent of junior school, uh, in the U.S., then there was all elementary school. There was probably one fat person in the entire school and they weren't even really very fat. You know, they were just a bit pudgy. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was one person who was noticeably uh, had a bit more heft than everyone else. So it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't really something that I gave that much thought to growing up. I mean, it was just natural for me to exercise, but I mean, in, in recent years, then uh, it's become quite obvious to me just looking around even before i was on twitter that uh people are becoming so incredibly unhealthy and it's happening very quickly so um i mean i came to twitter i came to twitter as a lurker really i'd i'd read i'd had bronze age mindset recommended to me by amazon the amazon algorithm for some reason i don't know what i'd been reading i mean i read Nietzsche <laughs> and all that sort of stuff but yeah it just happened to be recommended to me i read it and thought it was hilarious and <laughs> logged on to twitter to follow bronze age pervert um silently for the most part and um uh i, I mean i don't actually really know how i've ended up in this position actually so it's all been a bit of a whirlwind uh mm-hmm. you know what one moment i was a lurker account called uh, Turning Point uh, Gobekli Tepe or something like that, you know, which is a, <laughs> a reference to the to the um, early agricultural site mm-hmm. in, in Turkey and, you know, the fact that the agricultural revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race and all that. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a lurker with a silly name like that. And then, and then 
you know, the next moment I'm, you know, I've got nearly 200,000 followers. And I've been on Tucker Carlson and all the rest of it. So it's, um, I'm still trying to piece it together myself, but I, I, I will say just that, um, yeah, it, it became, it has become clearer to me in recent years that, that health is actually, is actually a, a major, is a major problem today. And also that it has a very clear political dimension, which it absolutely mm -hmm. does. I mean, people will deny that of course, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it, but it really does. And so that's, that's something that I started to talk about and uh, it's resonated with a huge, the surprisingly large number of people uh, in a in a very very deep way, and um, uh, it's it's become a mission for me, and I and I'm really enjoying it. So, you, speaking of um, things being a deep issue, uh, what, you know, one of the things that we got growing up, if if someone was out of shape or whatever, the answer would always be just like you need to do some more push ups or you need to jog around. But you've you've really delved deep into like the environmental causes of what's going on. This isn't normal for us to be this mm -hmm. obese and it's not just relegated to problems related to sitting a lot or whatever. Um, there's also a deeply nutritional, um, well, there's a deeply nutritional aspect of things or the food, the things that we eat, but also the air that we breathe, the things that we wear uh, all there's, there's, uh, I mean, you can talk about the elements of, you know, the, the plastics and the hormone disruptors and, and things like that. So when did you start digging deep into that side of things well it's in, this is an interesting uh aspect actually of bronze age mindset that people that people miss i mean that was really bronze age mindset was the first place i ever encountered the word xenoestrogens right mm -hmm. and that's bronze bronze age pervert describes himself as an anti-xenoestrogen activist <laughs> and uh, you know there's actually uh, and i suppose i i'm that too but you know, there, there's actually a large part of, of Bronze Age mindset is dedicated to the problem of, of hormones and the effects mm -hmm. of hormones and how we think about hormones and, and the role that they play in in uh, behavior and health. Um, and it, I mean, interestingly, Bronze Age pervert actually gets a lot of that from Camille Paglia. Mm -hmm. And that's something that comes out if you read... Uh, the book uh, selective breeding and the birth of philosophy which is allegedly by <laughs> by this yeah. romanian strange uh, enigmatic romanian chap who may or may not be bronze age pervert i yeah. can't, can we can't confirm, confirm or deny that. yeah um <laughs> yeah so so the so the bronze age bronze age mindset was really where i started to um hmm. uh, encounter the 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 idea that maybe actually there's something going on in the environment you know he, he refers to um you know sort of obese uh, high fructose corn syrup guzzling women you know polluting the water with their um contraceptive birth control that they're pissing yeah. out and all that yeah. kind of stuff <laughs> you know like it's it's funny and it's a funny image but but when you actually look into it then you just open up this enormous can of worms and yeah there's there's a it's a huge problem and there's a huge body of evidence huge body of scientific research going back decades back to the 1960s at least with plastic research you know uh, scientists knew have known from at least the 1960s that plastic chemicals are endocrine endocrine disruptors and they're toxic mm. in various different ways so there's this huge body of evidence and actually it's not you see scare stories or well, not scare stories but occasionally gets um uh 
you know, sort of uh, some some media publicity. But actually, mm -hmm. it's not a problem that's really entered the mainstream yet. Although mm -hmm. now we're seeing with things like Tucker Carlson, The End of Men, that it's mm -hmm. um, definitely getting more publicity. But, you know, the um, the gay frogs rant, Alex Jones's famous <laughs> gay frogs rant in 2015, I think it was, right? You know, he was talking about... A, pro a proper scientific study that was carried out in 2011 on um, uh, African horned toads and uh, that were exposed to atrazine and, and feminized by by the uh, by the herbicide atrazine. Mm -hmm. um, the study, when it was released at the time, actually was was talked about in National Geographic and Science Magazine, and you know it got a certain amount of publicity, and then it just sort of disappeared mm -hmm. um, as these as these studies do. Um, but then when Alex Jones starts talking about it, of course, because he's Alex Jones, it becomes yeah. uh, then it's a, a right wing conspiracy theory. Yeah. And, you know, nobody nobody cares to mention the fact that actually four years before it had been the you know like the cover story mm -hmm. in National Geographic and on Science magazine. So there's a there's there, there's a kind of strange dynamic going on, I think, with a lot of this where it is where it is, of course, it's become associated with the right. But actually, mm -hmm. because of people like Alex Jones, but actually what we are talking about is a totally non-partisan body mm -hmm. of a massive body of scientific evidence that that absolutely substantiates the 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 fact that we are swimming in a toxic soup of chemicals that are xenestrogenic so they they mimic the effects of uh the female uh, quote unquote hormone estrogen mm -hmm. in the body they're obesogenic so they have mm -hmm. all sorts of um, uh, metabolic effects. They reduce the body's metabolic rate, so you can put on weight without eating more food. Mm -hmm. And this is a this is a very very interesting, uh, very very interesting topic to delve into, and, and mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why people are putting on weight, as well as probably eating more and being sedentary, uh, more sedentary. Then they're mm -hmm. also our metabolisms are are slowing down because we are exposed to obesogenic chemicals like PFAS and various mm -hmm. pesticides and all sorts of other things and in fact vegetable oils are obesogenic in in that way as well because they reduce the metabolic rate they reduce some um, thyroid activity etc mm -hmm. so i mean it's a it's a it's a huge rabbit hole to go down and it's something that i'm that i'm posting about now all the time mm -hmm. because i because i mean i think it is it is a fundamental part of why we are so unhealthy why people are becoming so fat and depressed and uh, you know the testosterone levels are tanking and they're infertile mm -hmm. um it's not just the fact that we are eating loads of processed food now and processed food we can talk about if you want that's a mm -hmm. you know, that's a terrible 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 advance or, or the opposite of an advance yeah you know, it's a development yeah. in the 20th century it's a type of food that mankind had hitherto never eaten before mm -hmm. Um, but then there's also this environmental thing, which is which is now starting to get now starting to get some decent coverage. You've got RFK Jr. talking about it as well, making it a presidential issue. And I wrote a piece for American Mind called "The Gay Frogs Election" about how you know actually it was a kind of nod to the Flight 93 election, the Michael Anton yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, he's done it. He's he has done a, a real service actually. I think RFK Jr. at least to make the health of the nation. Mm -hmm. a political mm -hmm. issue because because people pretend that it's not that it's not a political issue that everyone is hugely or that people are becoming hugely overweight and infertile mm -hmm. and all mm -hmm. these other things as well so i mean it's uh 
initially then you can you might think well oh well, this is you know this is talk about xenestrogens you know it's a it's a fringe issue but actually when you get yeah. into it then it really absolutely isn't as far as i'm concerned i, I want to talk about um the processed foods and also our environmental you know stuff but but real quick i want to touch on the politics of this um yeah yeah you know, how, how does the regime benefit from um people absorbing this you know this disgusting trash like how, how does the regime you know the, the american regime and its satellites you know why do they not want people to you know rediscover their masculinity well i mean i think fundamentally because it makes people it makes people dependent and uh you know when you are fat when you're depressed when you're isolated and you're not motivated then actually you know you are all you're likely to do is consume products right and that mm -hmm. is that is fundamentally what what makes the what makes the late liberal uh sort of capitalist world go around is just the consumption of products of mm -hmm. Of, of foods and 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 um, other physical products and also digital, uh, you know, media products and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. There's no, there's no, for somebody who is who is um, disabled in that way, and I and I would say that they are disabled. Then mm -hmm. there isn't any. There's no horizon beyond consumption. Mm -hmm. You know, so ma man has been effectively reduced to a consumer rather than a producer. And the thing, of course, is that you know pr producers are. You're, you're dealing with a, with a totally different phenomenon when you're talking about people as producers rather than consumers, because yeah. you might you might want to produce a totally different political order, for instance. And yes, <laughs> yes, you that's might. The, that's the that's the danger. I think that's the political mm -hmm. danger. Of course, is that men who are producers, especially men who band together in groups and that are you know bonded by shared values and some kind of higher goal. Then that is a that is an existential threat to the system. And look, I I I mean, I'm writing a new book at the moment called yes. "The Last Men: The Last Men, uh, Liberalism and the Death of Masculinity." And I start from um, or I start with a reevaluation, a reinterpretation of Francis Fukuyama's end of history thesis. Mm -hmm. Because what people forget about Fukuyama, people Fukuyama serves as a straw man of liberal hubris generally yeah. you know it's yeah. like, oh, he's, he's, he's this silly silly intellectual who for some reason because he's read too much hegel thinks that history's, <laughs> come, you know, history's history's come to an end and liberal democracy is the end of the actual end of history whatever that might mean mm -hmm. um and he kind of has become a parody of himself since mm -hmm. he wrote the book but if you actually yeah. go back and read the book then it's a devastating critique as well of liberal democracy, of the shallowness of liberal democracy. People forget that actually the name of the book is not just the end of history. It's the end of history and the last man. And who mm -hmm. is the last man? Well, the last man is a creature that uh, Friedrich Nietzsche first identifies, you know, this sort of crepuscular, crepuscular creature who is the kind of ideal subject of, of, of liberal democracy, who is fit really for for nothing other than the kind of things that i've been talking about consumption etc um uh and what fukuyama says is that liberal democracy has this fundamental weakness where it can't satisfy certain of man's basic needs mm -hmm. among which is uh this thing called megalothymia greek um mm -hmm. uh which basically means the cult, which basically means seeking to, to seek distinction, basically. So yeah. men seek distinction. And um, uh, that's a natural thing. 
liberal liberalism allows no outlet for men to stand in that kind of hierarchy of of mm -hmm. um, of, of value what liberalism allows is liberal liberalism satisfies what's called isothymia which is the desire to be at least to be judged as equal with your fellow yeah. man right mm -hmm. so you can satisfy that desire and that's something that the greeks identified as you know isothymia is something that men also seek but that's a very basic desire and and actually what is more fundamental is this desire for megalothymia to seek distinction and to mm -hmm. uh, stand above your peers and competitors and there's no there's absolutely no out no real outlet for that in yeah. liberalism so i i take i actually think that um fukuyama's analysis of liberalism is actually too optimistic in that sense because he's talking about liberalism as a political system and an, an ideology and a system of values uh and obviously they're unsatisfying for, for men as men as masculine creatures um but then there's a deeper problem there's a problem that runs even deeper than that and that is the biological problem that we're facing mm -hmm. under liberalism mm -hmm. and that's the biological effects of the liberal uh way of life liberal lifestyles um and so i take the decline of or i'm going to take the decline of megalothymia as a kind of proxy for the decline of testosterone as well mm -hmm. so i'm saying not only is liberalism hostile to expressions of megalothymia it's also hostile to the maintenance of of uh normal healthy testosterone levels yeah which, which i think is true which i think is true and all of the kind of you know the kind of things that are the kind of um attributes and and um emotions that are dis that are associated with megalothymia that um fukuyama describes and the, the ancient greeks described then you know you can find study after study that shows that um they are associated with ha having higher levels of testosterone mm -hmm. and so there's a there's a there's a complicated or there's a there's a kind of deeper argument to be made about the about biology and its links and its links with you know with ideology about liberalism mm -hmm. and its effects on biology so that's basically what the book is going to be about and so that's i mean that is why fundamentally i think that this is absolutely a absolutely a political issue yeah testosterone decline yeah. decline masculinity because yeah because it's associated with one particular kind of system and actually if you're dissatisfied with that system as you're likely to be if you're a man and so mm -hmm. many young men are then you actually have you actually end up having to ask questions like is it possible to find a satisfying um alternative within the confines of liberalism or do, do we actually have to do away with the whole system in order to yeah you know create a system that um doesn't have these problems isn't so toxic poisonous yeah. for young men yeah how, um and, and you're kind of getting at this but how much of of this is you know conscious in in our system you know uh versus just baked into the cake right how much of it is you know where I, I can't imagine there's people sitting in the White House thinking about how we need to make people fatter no. and uh, have endocrine disruption and, and that's a like regime priority or anything like that. But uh, it's it, it's built into it though in, yes, in a lot of is. ways. Yeah, yeah, so, it is. It's, it's it's built into it and it's and it's and it's reinforcing. It happens. It tends to these things tend to support the maintenance of the system. That's what I yeah. would say. But I don't think yeah. that there's any, no, I don't believe the conspiracy that uh, theory that, um, you know, people are deliberately putting chemicals in the water to, 
to feminize men and and, yeah. and make them less masculine but it just so happens that actually that is that that is that is um supportive of the liberal regime in in yeah. you know in some kind in fundamental aspects so that actually they don't do any they don't want to do anything about it you know i mean yeah. I, I made this this point on another podcast i said look if if all of these chemicals in the water and if processed food and all this kind of stuff were, were actually making men more masculine yes yeah <laughs> the, the regime the regime would do something about that you know we would, we would have yeah. the the epa and and the fda and all of these government bodies you know they'd be regulating the hell out of out yeah. of these mm -hmm. harmful chemicals and yeah absolutely. but they don't because actually you know i mean you we've all probably seen these um mainstream media pieces you know in the atlantic mm -hmm. and places the nation and places like that you know testosterone is declining here's why that's a good thing you know i mean mm -hmm. they, they know that it's a good thing yeah yeah absolutely and so what i mean one of the things um ab about all of this is it seems like in terms of uh politics and and just the the general i don't know yeah i guess it's the lingo so we can use it but like red pilling like the big the big red pill that opens up all of the other ones is is health and food and fitness and all, all of the things we're, we've been discussing right you take that one and you realize everything I've ever been told about health and fitness and what I should eat is a total lie. And then you begin asking, well, what else have I been lied to about? Right. Exactly. Uh, and, and so I, I think that that's part of it is, is young men are, especially young men are beginning to, to see this and, and see the world around them and see how, you know, basically doing the opposite, you know, George Costanza style is, is the way to live life, right? If, if the regime, if all of the media outlets say this is healthy, do the opposite of that, right? Um, and so, which you know, sometimes works, it isn't, isn't quite that simple. But um, how much, you know, how, how much of it would you say, like, that's the first step that a lot of, a lot of people have to take. Like I, in, in, in my book, you know, I call it trash world, it, the thing that we're describing, which it's, it's this, yeah. this system where, where everything is completely disordered, Right, not just not just the food that we eat, but the social relations that we have, the the entire system, every 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 possible way. I mean, you're using these terms like uh, isothymic and and megathymic, um, but uh, but it, 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 it along those lines, right? And so, um, once you begin to open up the door to health and fitness and and you know having uh, a, a certain masculine vitality, then. Uh, then, then where, what direction do young guys go, right? They go to, you know, sort of right-wing politics, right? That's, I mean, that, that's uh, st our friend, uh, uh, Stephen Wolf in his book, uh, the case for Christian nationalism. This is a thing that he wrote about and people thought like, you know, he had a kind of the epilogue in the very end of his book because he does this like 400 page thesis on Protestant political theory and everything else. And then the very end, he talks about you know, not having a dad bod and eating seed oils and, and <laughs> being fit. And people thought that doesn't make any sense. Why is he talking about this? And then he throws this on at the end and, and it's, he's making this point um, that the same thing, that all of these things are disordered and messed up. And in order to recover good things, we have to, we have to completely throw all of that out and begin living, you know, more of a human life again. Um, and so I guess, you know, my, my question as, as we, we keep going, like with our podcast, what we talk about is, 
you know, Christian dissident politics, Christian rightism, um, you know, sometimes called Christian nationalism because that's the, that's the in vogue, uh, you know, term uh, today. That's the boogeyman, isn't it? At the moment. You know, oh yeah. Yeah, it is. And, it, and it's funny because you know, people talk about it like it's a, an electoral thing. Like it's, Oh, there's this, this political faction that we want to win elections and things like that. And it's like, I don't, I don't honestly care. Like the whole system's fake anyway. Right. Um, it's, it's more about having a, a, you know, frankly, vitalist uh, Christianity again, different, whole different paradigm, right? Yeah, yeah, that, and, and, that incorporates the yeah. masculinity of man, and that's the thing yeah. that they seem to hate the most. Yeah, absolutely, and and so I think this this is why the overlap between you know the larger you know online dissident right and and Christian politics is I think you know very important um, because in America when we think about these things and you bring up you know, you bring up Bronze Age mindset and things like that. And some of the themes in that book that that there has to be a certain vital spirit to any kind of movement that is going to um, going to do anything, create create things, create uh, life, um, and and strive toward toward greatness. Um, and and, and so and certainly yeah. attract young men as well. That's yes, the- yes, absolutely. And and so within you know the American context, I mean, you 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 have to look at like what what a people historically. Um, what's on the table for the, for a people, right? So, so within the American context, well, it's, it's Protestant Christianity, not as, not as it's currently constituated, right? Cause you look at it and it's just, you know, uh, fat lesbian pastors and even within conservative evangelicalism, it's, it's a few shades away from that, you know, just very weak, wimpy men leading things. Um, and it's not like that at all, right? Like biblical Protestant Christianity in, in, in America and in the West was, was patriarchal. Uh, they read the Bible as, as it me- is meant to be read. Um, and it, and it was very, uh, me- you know, men are at the center of it, men leading and, and doing things. And, uh, and so you see that, and that's the thing that is this huge threat. The thing that they're terrified of is that now you have, and you, you have, you know, fit young jacked men, uh, who have testosterone and want to fight, uh, and that terrifies them, right. That keeps them up at night. And so, I mean, how much, I mean, this is, this is not really necessarily your, you know, main speciality, but, uh, you know, when you look at that, that whole paradigm and the, the things that we talk about, uh, how much does that fit in to it, right? If you're looking at America and, and fighting back against the xenoestrogenic regime, right? Um, like how, do you think that's the course that we should take? You know, you think that's a good, uh, good direction to go? Well, what with regard to Christianity in particular, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, Christianity has the 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 preservation of the West is inseparable from the preservation of Christianity. I think yeah. at this point, I don't yeah. think you can any kind of I think revival is going to have to at the very least grapple with Christianity and mm-hmm. make use of Christianity's resources whether 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 sort of sincerely in in a in an actual spirit of faith or just because mm-hmm. it is because it is the western inheritance and it is who we are and it has shaped us whether we like it or not you know mm-hmm. in, in the most fundamental way um i mean i definitely think there are some interesting interactions of course between the dissident right between the sort of vitalist the nietzschean mm-hmm. vitalists as they're mm-hmm. sometimes labeled and christian christian you know sort of people on the dissident right and on the conservative side there's there's definitely there's a lot of friction i think Mm -hmm. um definitely but um 
I don't think there's, you know, I mean, Bronze Age pervert in Bronze Age mindset. Then he talks mm. about, you know, a lot of the examples of of great men of vitality of the past. They're Christians. Hernan Cortez mm. was a Christian. Hernan mm-hmm. Cortez was a great Christian and mm-hmm. um, yes, a great, and, yeah. a great con- and a great conqueror and a, yeah. a man, man of power, etc. Yes. Um, the the I think what's important to realize is that the current state of Christianity that isn't mm. that isn't Christianity. That's not Christianity's essence. You know, it's like yes. okay, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. You've got loads of Lutheran pastors in the Midwest who are all you know wearing uh, LGBTQ flags, um, stoles, and yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. You know, but like that isn't that isn't Christianity necessarily. Christianity doesn't have to be like that. And actually, mm-hmm. you can look to the past within with it within the Christian tradition. You don't have to look mm-hmm. outside the Christian yes. tradition to find yeah. right examples of a much more well look i mean like 19th century muscular christianity yeah yeah Ted, teddy teddy roosevelt i mean there's yeah. so, there's so much there's so many there's such a, a deep wealth of resources and i think mm-hmm. yes if you if you're if you're wanting to lead a or to create some kind of christian movement that actually harnesses the essential power of masculinity and especially of young men um then yeah you you are going to have to offer something different but mm-hmm. but christianity already has that it just has to it just has to, you just have to rediscover it and and mm-hmm. represent represent it to people i think yeah 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 that's pretty so, much what we're doing yeah go uh, ahead cj yeah so i want to shift gears a little bit and talk about more of your your specialty um raw egg nationalists why why is raw egg um you know, not, not the details of the egg itself, but why is that sort of yeah. symbolic of, of everything that you think about in your entire approach? I mean, the raw egg mm-hmm. represents a, an entire repudiation of everything we've been talking about, everything we've been mm-hmm. taught about how to yeah. eat well, how to live well. Yeah. I mean, the raw egg itself is a yes. slap in the face to the regime's yeah. narrative. So talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it actually is. I mean, as funny as it may mm-hmm. sound, then, you know, raw eggs are, eggs are a superfood. Eggs are mm-hmm. uh, nutrient dense animal food they're a superfood um that everybody should be eating right and yet for the last 70 years we've been told that actually you shouldn't eat eggs 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 will give you because eggs have you know large quantities of cholesterol in them that they'll they'll give you they'll give you heart disease and you'll have a heart attack and die if you eat if you eat mm-hmm. even an egg a day you know you mm-hmm. eat yes sir right. so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the the idea is, look, this is a symbol of, uh, as you say, a wider rejection of everything that we've been told about nutrition, because, mm-hmm. because, and also because actually, you know, the, the egg, the egg represents the opposite of the kind of ideal food that is being um, foisted on us now by so-called yeah. experts. Plant, yeah. the, you know, we, we need to have a global plant-based diet. We need to abandon yeah. animal yeah. foods entirely. And we need to, you know, derive all of our protein from farmed insects and lab-grown meat and uh, plant-based meat alternatives that are made of soy and mm-hmm. you know, GMO crap and and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And an egg is an egg is a perfect natural food. It represents the natural order as it mm-hmm. should be. Right. Yeah. And it's the opposite of of uh, commercial food you know you can keep eggs you can keep chickens in your in your back garden you can even be an indoor chicken farmer if you want to mm-hmm. follow the the poll the famous poll meme about the indoor chicken farmer <laughs> um, so 
you know, I mean, it's like it's a it's a local natural food that can't be controlled by corporations, and that right. that's important. That's yeah. a, another important factor as mm -hmm. well in mm -hmm. kind of repudiation of of trash world. Again, yes, it's yes. repudiation of trash world. It is a symbol of of what we need to return to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned before, like just the role of uh, reliance on the system that characterizes. Uh, you know, the dynamics of, of modern living and like the egg itself represents not only a healthy way of life, but it also represents freedom. Like people can, mm -hmm. I mean, eggs are very easy to acquire. Chickens are very easy to, uh, you know, manage and grow. And so you don't need a lot. You don't need to depend on the system. You don't need to participate in the economic regime, the international economic regime in order to live as a dissident and the egg represents no. that um so but what why why raw eggs what's what uh what causes that well so i mean when i started off on twitter then i as i say i was a lurker and there was this hashtag going around raw egg nationalism so i didn't invent raw egg nationalism raw egg nationalism <laughs> was a hashtag that was kind of yeah. going around and i i got i got behind it and uh i started slonking raw eggs that's the technical term that's right and um it was just amazing i was i mean i was i've i've, I've been lifting weights for some time but i started doing it and i was like wow yep. this is this is actually this is actually um this is incredible you know this really does i can really feel that once i got to about 18 eggs a day i was like my god this is like you know whatever this is doing to me it's incredible it's incredible i can feel it you know mm -hmm. um but the, the raw i mean the raw thing is well, it's based on it's based on the nutritional theories of a uh, bodybuilder called Vince Gironda from the 1950s and 1960s, who's my avatar. He's been my avatar ever since I rebranded myself as raw egg nationalist when I just started um, when I just started slonking without any thought that I would, <laughs> I would become the leader of some movement or, you know, <laughs> an important thing or anything like that. Um, but yeah, Vince, Vince Gironda was a natural bodybuilder, maverick in the 1950s, 60s. He died in the 1990s, but he um, he was very, very against the use of anabolic steroids. And, uh, you know, the 1950s, 60s, that was when anabolic steroids were really mm -hmm. starting to take hold in bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And um, he, I say he was a maverick, but he, he was very, very well read and he understood nutrition and he understood... Uh, he was widely read in the sort of scientific literature and he understood that cholesterol in particular is mm. a precursor uh, is a precursor of the sex hormones so estrogen and also testosterone and, and other sex hormones and he believed that if you consumed significant quantities of cholesterol in particular that um that would be red they would readily be converted into more testosterone in the body so mm -hmm. that is actually fundamentally the reason why you consume eggs and raw eggs in particular because they contain huge i mean they contain large quantities of very high the highest quality protein but they also contain massive quantities of cholesterol and the mm -hmm. thing about the thing about consuming them raw is that you can consume them easily so, I mean, you may or may not have seen Cool Hand Luke, the Paul yeah. Newman film, you know, where yeah. he, he tries to eat 50 boiled eggs, right? And it's it basically kills him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can slonk 50 raw eggs in, you know, no time at all. And it actually mm -hmm. doesn't really feel like you're full. I mean, there's, it's a very, very different feeling to consume large quantities of raw eggs as opposed to cooked. So... Mm -hmm consuming them raw allows you to uh, to consume a much much higher quantity and then there's also the fact that actually cooking eggs will uh, 
have various different effects on the micronutrients and and mm -hmm. also the cholesterol you know you you will you will sort of degrade it to some extent so mm -hmm. it's um yeah it, it comes out of vince duronda's nutritional theories most of all I let's get it, this question here yeah oh yeah yeah uh well i just i find it hilarious though that cholesterol is one of the main benefits of a raw egg but cholesterol is like you know, for the regime nutritionist, yeah. yeah, it is the worst thing that you could do is have too much cholesterol. So I, I just, I find that fascinating. Well, what's, and... what's interesting is what's interesting as well about cholesterol, of course, is that for 70 years or so, then we've been, you know, we've been told that consuming cholesterol is, is the, about the worst thing that you can do. And yeah. eggs actually in the U S are the only food that have ever had a specific health warning attached to them. Yeah. 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 Eggs, yeah. Right. And that, that was in the 1960s, late sixties. Um, but the thing is that actually the USDA now doesn't issue cholesterol uh, dietary uh, cholesterol guidelines hmm. because hmm. because the science has been overturned. And actually, mm -hmm. it's it's clear now that consuming cholesterol in your diet doesn't actually increase, increase your blood cholesterol and that that also doesn't contribute to heart disease. Mm -hmm. And in fact, reducing your cholesterol uh, hmm. increases your risk of all cause mortality. But the thing is that hmm. although the although the USDA now doesn't issue cholesterol guidelines, if you go to your physician and say, I'm eating 12 eggs a day, <laughs> he'll say, you're consuming too much what? cholesterol. You're going to yeah. yeah, he'll probably have a heart attack. Yes, and then, right. <laughs> and then if he survives, he'll tell you that you're going to have a heart attack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's there's all of this, you know, nu nu the nutritional the nutritional science in inverted commas has been turned back on its head. It's been turned yeah. up the right way, but it actually, none of that, none of that seems to have filtered down to ordinary, uh, to nutritionists and, and, uh, uh, physicians. And it certainly hasn't filtered down to the, to the food industry, you know, because you still see products being marketed as low fat, low cholesterol, um, plant-based eggs, these monstrosities that are, that are marketed as alternatives to, actual eggs you know they're they're marketed as having no cholesterol because they don't have any cholesterol yeah and well they can't be a good thing they can't let these um you know these things be corrected because then it would call into question everything that they've been taught it's just exactly. like just exactly. like the covid vaccines you know people started questioning yeah. the covid yeah. vaccines and now all of a sudden vaccines in general are being called into question yeah. so they, yeah. they can't have that so yeah we'll um, get I, to that topic in a little bit but, yeah, yeah. Let, well, there, was a, there was a physician uh, there was a physician who did work with the Maasai Mara in the 1970s I think he was called George Mann and yes the Maasai, yeah. Ma the Ma the Maasai Mara eat like 300 grams of saturated fat a day which is you know, saturated <laughs> fat is the building block of cholesterol I mean they're consuming huge amounts of cholesterol and they're among the you know the fittest they are they are in absolutely prime physical health they're all six foot six and they all have you yeah. know ripped and blah 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 and he yeah. said the lipid heart hypothesis which is the cholesterol causes mm -hmm. heart disease hypothesis is the biggest medical scam of the 20th century he said that mm -hmm. in the 1970s and it really is yeah. it really yeah. is mm-hmm mm-hmm Go speaking ahead, of yeah, speaking of other medical scams, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, let's get to this question. What are your uh, thoughts on uh, pipe cigar smoking, or even um, you know, uh, tobacco, or uh, even more broadly, nicotine in general? Right, the health risks uh, and the the possibility of testosterone boosts. Right, is that is yeah. that real? What do you what do you what uh, tell us about that? The first the first thing I'd say about smoking is that actually, like having an occasional cigarette. If, if you are stressed, 
then stress kills, right? Stress, yeah, is, yeah. stress is stress is incredibly bad for you. Yeah. And if having an occasional cigarette reduces your stress levels, then that, that's actually likely to be better for you than just putting up with the stress. So mm-hmm. there is that, definitely. I mean, there are lots of studies that show that uh, smoking increases testosterone. And it's not, yeah. it's not, um, I mean, it's not for nothing that actually sort of like high tea looking men <laughs> smoke, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Marlboro actually, Man uh, ad was yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah to, yeah. to some extent, I think so. I mean, I think that uh, commercially bought cigarettes contain a lot of crap as well. I mean, I don't know the, right. sort of the specifics, but I mean, I think you're talking heavy metals and yeah, all yeah. sorts of other crap and it's all sprayed with pesticides and, and then you've mm-hmm. got all the, the, the shit that's, that's in the actual physical uh, yeah. container of the, you know, the, 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 the tube, the, the yeah. filter, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I think if, you, if you were to, to buy, you know, like nice organic tobacco and smoke it in a mm-hmm. pipe, then I think that's a very different experience from smoking mm-hmm. a cheap cigarette. Um, mm-hmm you know that you bought from a gas station um yeah so i mean i i think probably you know smoking 20 a day is is never going to be good for you but yeah, yeah, actually yeah. actually as a stress relief and also probably because of the nicotine as well i mean yeah we can talk about the nicotine you know nicotine is a nicotine is a is a stimulant and it and it is um a productive stimulant i mean tucker carlson Tucker Carlson talked about this as well. Uh, I can yes. remember on his on his um, tonight with Tucker Carlson. He said, "Look, why are they nicotine? Nicotine frees your mind, and yeah. marijuana makes you a slave. Isn't yeah. it strange how they're pushing marijuana and yeah. banning nicotine in all forms?" Yeah. What do you think about in terms of like uh, Tucker Carlson's favorite form of nicotine, uh, Zin, and uh, lozenges like that? What do you uh, What do you think I've of those ne- things? I've never I've never tried Zin. I mean, Zin appears from a distance to be becoming a bit Reddit at the moment now. <laughs> it is. But, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I've tried I've tried Snus, which is the what they take mm-hmm. in scan those little pouches um, that they you stick in the corner of your mouth that mm-hmm. they love in Scandinavia. I mean, they're pretty strong, and yeah, yeah. You, you, you use those too much, you give yourself gum cancer. But um, yeah. and that's a problem with chewing tobacco as well. But mm-hmm. it's tongue and and throat and gum cancer. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that that taking some nicotine, maybe you know, when you're trying to be creative, when you're trying to write or whatever, is probably not mm-hmm. a bad thing. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. it's a tried and tested strategy. Yeah, it's very Lindy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. So probably 15 more minutes, and I, I, I want to get into this area a little bit, but um, I'm curious, other than the processed foods, the things that we actually consciously digest, where are other sources of toxins that are really harming us and causing uh, men to lose their masculinity? Uh, well, I mean, this is, the, this is the black pill, or it's, it's close to a black pill. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I did a... I did a um, a post which I which I knew I knew it would I knew it would generate some controversy I knew it would, it would yeah. get people screaming I I was from time to time I searched these medical databases a database of scientific papers and I found this paper that that said that the air is estrogenic right yeah mm-hmm. so they they took air samples in various different places in Italy in some rural locations and in cities and then they tested the particulate matter mm-hmm. using tamoxifen which is a breast cancer drug to to measure the estrogenicity of the substances yeah. and they found basically that the air the air everywhere is estrogenic in Italy like even in the countryside 
so you're inhaling particulate it gets into your lungs and then it goes into your bloodstream and it has estrogenic effects within the body yeah. i mean that's 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 true of course because you know um these horrible pesticides and and other um uh, industrial chemicals that kind of stuff you know they end mm -hmm. up in particulate matter in the air and you breathe it in um yeah. but so yeah i mean they are fundamentally they are everywhere i mean is, is that does that come from like chemtrails or what's going on with that <laughs> uh, it's, it's industrial emissions it's car emissions mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. um uh evaporation of industrial chemicals all all, so all sorts of stuff like that um, yeah, burn, burning, burning, burning of tires is a big mm -hmm. thing that reduces uh, produces estrogenic estrogenic particulate Mm -hmm. um but you know it's it's the drinking water as well mm -hmm. uh it's microplastics so plastics are everywhere so it's um not only microplastics yeah. but also plastic packaging um chemicals that are used on uh greaseproof paper non-stick packaging things like pfas etc mm -hmm. um unfortunately yeah it is it is everywhere it's in the food it's in the water it's in the it's in the primary material Mm -hmm. um, that we use nowadays which is plastic um so it's not we're in a we're in a kind of perfect storm i would say of mm -hmm. ill health because we've actually created a toxic environment we now inhabit a, a toxic environment mm -hmm. but 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 having said that then there are things that we can that we can do and i'm always trying to tell people look there are simple things that you can do that can reduce your the burden of toxicity in your body in your life mm -hmm. significantly you can't get you can't you can't get away from all of these things because it's yeah. a global problem and they found microplastics which are you know vectors for these harmful chemicals they found mm -hmm. them in antarctic snow they found them at yeah. the bottom of the ocean you find them on the highest mountains they circulate in the air they fall in the rain mm -hmm. i mean they're just everywhere they're in your house yeah. they're in the food you eat so you can't get away from them but you can reduce your exposure to them significantly and that is the mm -hmm. best thing you can do so reduce right. your reliance on plastics filter yeah. your water with a carbon filter mm -hmm. um stop eating processed food uh things like that hoover, hoover your house get rid of synthetic fibers mm -hmm. etc so uh stop using uh especially if you're a woman stop using personal care products because all of these mm -hmm. uh, deodorants and fragrances and mm -hmm. mascara and, and face creams and they contain huge amounts of, of endocrine disrupting chemicals i mean I, there was a study that i i wrote about that showed that uh the average college-age girl in the u.s applies at least um eight different products a day that contain known endocrine disruptors sometimes as many as 20 every yeah. single day and then there was another study that showed that if you stop if a girl stops using those products then she can reduce the concentration of harmful chemicals in her blood by 50 percent within a few yeah. weeks that's crazy yeah so, yeah we laugh about like the yeah we laugh about like the 18th century people who put on make or even the romans you know put on makeup yeah. that's covered in lead you know and yeah. it's like oh how stupid they put that on and it's yeah it's poison and killing them you know and it's like we, we do the exact same stuff uh today it's just maybe even worse. Um, but we think it's totally healthy because we're told that, um, one of, well, one what's of the, funny, what's funny as yeah. well, of course, is that actually, if you say to people, you know, why don't you moisturize your skin with some tallow? Why don't you use some tallow? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like you're, you're a weirdo for saying that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or, or coconut oil it, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, look, it's, uh, surely you can understand the logic, right? Like tallow mm. is made from the fat of an animal 
Mm-hmm. The, the the mineral and uh, chemical composition of it is basically the same as your skin. Like, why would yeah. that be a bad thing to rub on yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you think you're gonna be covered in pimples or something because you do yeah. it? You know, yeah, yeah. But it's oh, like... but people instinctively reach for these, you know, products yeah. that have an an ingredient list that is, you know, two pages long. N- none of the you don't know what any of the ingredients are, uh, but mm. but they're all estrogenic or large, you know, large quantities of them estrogenic and they're toxic, etc. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a messed it's a messed up situation and um, it's, but it's hard to get people out of the mindset of, yeah. of using these, these chemicals yeah. unless they have a bad personal experience themselves, yeah. I think. Yeah. In which yeah, case exactly. you can. Yeah. This will be good. I, uh, um, my wife listens to all of these and I always tell her, you look so much more beautiful without makeup on anyway. And she <laughs> doesn't listen. And uh, so now, now uh, I win. So Kara, when you watch this, uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm the winner. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna go. You're gonna go down. She's gonna have you know the tallow can out. And that's so right. Really no, we fun. have we have lots of tallow in the fridge, so it's it's ready Let to me, go. One of my questions is, you know, a lot of like uh, especially Christian conservatives, they talk about, um, you know, the, there's the the homosexuality crisis, and you know now there's the the transsexual crisis and all these things, and they speak about it, you know, in terms of uh, morality, you know, which the traditional Christian view of these things is that they are immoral, but a lot of them don't pay attention to the fact that it seems a lot of this, like the gay movement, the trans movement, a lot of it can be almost seen as manufactured, like like yeah. the, the, our lifestyles are causing um, confused hormones and so these people are um basically have no control over what's happening and it's not merely a a simple you know moral decision but they're actually being caused um by the the way that they live the things that they eat the toxins that they're exposed to have you looked into any connection between you know the rise of homosexuality (laughs) and transsexuality and the absorption of all of these chemicals yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so um there was an interesting study that I talked about a little while ago. I think I talked about it on my new, I've got a Substack now and I talked mm-hmm. about it on Substack. There was a study that showed that prenatal exposure to estrogenic mm-hmm. substances is associated with um, gen- gender confusion in young children. So yeah. Um, yeah. what you have to understand is that sex hormones Uh, you're exposed to sex hormones right from the moment of conception and the particular ratios of sex hormones that you are testosterone to estrogen, basically that you're exposed to will determine your physical development. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's an ideal ratio for a boy and there's an ideal ratio for a girl, you know, more testosterone Mm -hmm. for the boy, uh, less estrogen, more estrogen for the girl, less testosterone. So you have these, Zenestrogens and other toxic chemicals interfering with that ratio from the moment of conception and they get into the womb they pass through the cord blood into the baby from the mother you know i mean the mother will have a stores of these um estrogenic and, and toxic chemicals in her body anyway in her fat tissues mm-hmm. um because that's where they end up they end up in the fat tissues because these molecules tend to be lipophilic um so children are now being exposed to these really harmful chemicals from conception all the way through gestation and then and then for the rest of their lives so mm-hmm. all of these crucial developmental stages so there's a not only in the womb but then there's a stage called mini puberty when a child is very young where you have another you have a, a burst of sex hormones that provides mm-hmm. further um, differentiation sexual differentiation 
uh, and then you have actual puberty, etc. All of these developmental stages are being interfered with by mm -hmm. environmental toxins. Mm -hmm. So to get to, to get back to the study, children who are exposed to higher levels of particular chemicals uh, in a, a prenatal setting um, in the womb then they have they they um it was boys it was boys in particular it was boys in particular who mm -hmm. are exposed to estrogenic chemicals then the more they're exposed to the more chance that they will exhibit non-typical um male behaviors as, mm -hmm. as young children so they will mm. cross dress they'll play with barbies instead of action mm -hmm. men all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot of not only is there a not only is there good reason on the face of things to believe mm -hmm. that all of these chemicals are causing gender confusion because they interfere with the developmental processes that are associated with sexual differentiation at every mm -hmm. stage at which it takes place. Mm -hmm. um, but then there are also some specific studies that that show, like the one I've just talked about, about the, the children, boys playing with the wrong kind of toys, there are studies like that, but what you actually find, and I uh, in I wrote about this in that um, uh, Gay Frogs election essay that I did, you actually find that although there's this huge body of evidence about and research about endocrine disruptors, and there's this prima facie case about um, about you know the effects on gender confusion, etc., gender dysphoria, there are very few, maybe no studies that actually explicitly look at the relationship between exposure to endocrine disruptors and gender dysphoria. So if you go mm -hmm. on a, a big database like the one that I use, tend to use, which is PubMed, which mm -hmm. is links to basically all of the published studies ever, you know, in, in science, you type in gender dysphoria, BPA, gender dysphoria, phthalates, mm -hmm. gender dysphoria, endocrine disruptors, you get nothing, hmm. you get absolutely nothing. Like nobody is, is nobody in the scientific community seems to be linking transgenderism to environmental exposures to toxins you get people you know who are talking about transgenderism as a social contagion and they'll say look you know you're more likely to ha your child is more likely to say they're transgender if they have friends who say they're transgender mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. things like that for instance and there are studies that show that people who um uh, are diagnosed with with gender dysphoria tend to have one or more other mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. um, there are studies like that, but there are no studies linking environmental exposure to toxins to gender dysphoria. And I and I I wonder why. And I wonder yeah. whether. Yeah, I wonder. There's yeah. a big. There's a look. There's a big commercial problem here, which is that all of these chemicals are produced by corporations. Mm -hmm. manufacturing products mm -hmm. um, you know there are huge commercial incentives not to clean up the environment and uh you know and and to and to acknowledge the full extent to which uh chemical manufacturers and the processes that are um like integral to modern life are estrogenic i mean that would be a huge it's like we've got to change the way we live from top to bottom you know we've got to yeah. stop We've got to regulate chemicals differently. We've got to stop. Um, yeah, I mean, ev everything would have to change. We've got to stop yeah. using plastic because there doesn't yeah. seem to be a way to manufacture plastic, which is obviously very lucrative, um, yes. that doesn't involve producing uh, products that actually are toxic and, and mm. contaminating the environment 
the, the entire environment of the earth so yeah there are ve they're incredible as powerful they're incredibly powerful commercial incentives and i don't actually think they could be more powerful than they mm. are not to get to the bottom of this this is so, this is such an important topic because we talked at the beginning about you know the politics of it all. I mean, if you if you don't if you want to address you know the homosexual political aspects of things, you have to start at the very beginning. What's causing yeah. it? Why is it? How, why has it exploded? And why does it seem to be getting worse? I mean, the trajectory that we're on, you know, in the next when when the current you know set of babies and toddlers when they grow up, you know, in 15, 20 mm -hmm. years, I mean, what's the homosexual and the transsexual movement going to look like? You have to address the health issues if you're going to look at the the moral components of our of our political of, of the sexual politics um yeah. so uh, people really need to digest this because it's it is a lot it is a long-term um political approach that you have to rethink the way that you treat your health um there is a link between health and uh morality you know sexual morality and, yeah. and social morality going on here um yeah. so it's 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 sort of a black pill because it's like you know we're not going to just win a few elections and change laws we actually have to address the issue yeah. which is the transformation of our own humanity and you can't will yourself to change the entire environment that you're in right you can't you can't no. just pick yourself up by your own bootstrap but you can do i mean there are it is a black pilling conversation but at the same time there are things like if you look at the pie chart of you know um of all of the environmental factors and things that are, that are causing these things, right? The big chunks in that pie chart are things that you are certainly in your own control, right? The food that you consume, mm -hmm. the water you drink, uh, the the level of physical fitness that you you have or don't have. Um, that's that's a big chunk of it. I mean, you're not going to be able to get away. From, you can't stop breathing air, uh, but uh, no. you 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 can do uh, a lot of things. So I, I hope people, you know, as they're watching this, are not you know, just, uh, saying it's over, it's all over. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that is really what I don't want people to think that they can't do anything. I don't want to, yeah. I want pe people have to be informed, you know, and this, yes. and this news, the news is bad. The news is really bad, but, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, but, but that in itself, that should serve as an incentive as well, but also, yeah, there are things you can do and, and it's up to you to do them. And yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe that is maybe what we've what we've come to is we've come to a a kind of great filter yeah. event where actually what yeah. you what we're going to get is we're going to see who actually has the willpower to do something yeah mm -hmm. and who doesn't and it's probably going to yeah. it's probably going to be a minority who so, has the willpower so on this we've kind of come full circle and we've realized yeah. the importance of you know vitality and the yeah. vitalist movement and you know uh, you know just um as an individual, what can you do to become a better man? And that's that's the starting point for all this. So I want to respect your time, but I guess my last question would be, what are you working on now and what areas of, of uh, research are you going to focus on in the coming future? So I'm I'm writing this book at the moment. I mean, I've I've got a um, uh, I'm it's it, I've got a proposal that's sort of circulating among um, uh, reasonably mainstream publishers, actually. So Good. you might be surprised by who ends up publishing this book. Nice. Nice. So that's, I mean, I haven't, I haven't written it as such. I've written sort of like the introduction and I've got mm -hmm. a, a plan for the book and I think it will be fairly straightforward, but that will be next year. Um, Man's World, my magazine, then mm -hmm. uh, that's actually going to be published as a physical magazine next year for the first time. So I've um, signed a deal with Passage Press and okay. uh, we're Great. publishing Man's World as a physical magazine. So the first uh, published edition of that will be out in April and that's going to be an absolute... Um, it's going to be an incredible issue. I can I can assure you. Uh, I'm thinking of doing next year as well. Maybe a um, 
a big nutrition guide. Mm-hmm. Mm, like good. A hardcover, hardcover nutrition guide um, uh, that hopefully I'll publish maybe with Passage Press as well. Um, so I've got, I mean, I've got a lot on my plate and I've got my, you know, I've got my sub stack and all this other stuff as well, Twitter as well to do. But um, I mean, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to continue educating people about estrogens in particular about you know environmental chemicals and and that sort of stuff as well i'm talking a lot about fertility at the moment there's mm. the natal conference coming up in austin texas mm-hmm. on the first of december that i'm speaking at i'm speaking i'm speaking about endocrine disruptors um and you know their, their dreadful fertility effects and some of the ways that we can protect ourselves from that so i'll probably i'll be continuing i'll be plowing the same furrow i think fundamentally yeah. for a while yet because it's such Good. a big yeah it's such a big problem and and although we're, we're kind of breaking through into the mainstream now and and people are you know people are starting to take notice but there's still a long way to go i think sure any, any last words andrew i, I uh, have so many other questions it. but uh that's maybe for next time uh yeah we'll, yeah we'll, we'll do it again for sure yeah absolutely well thank right. you so much for uh giving us your time today and and uh and all of your insights uh we look forward to having you on again in the future Yeah, it was a real pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. All right, thank you. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Oh, look Uh at that. (laughs) My camera.